Welcome back. Here is part two with James Arends. It's it's a hard place to find traction when you don't you don't have anybody to depend on. Yeah. You don't have anybody to depend on, and you don't like what was I gonna do? You know yeah. what what was I what was my other you know what was my other uh, I'd say road or yeah. you know what other options did you have? I didn't have really much. And you know, if you and if you did. Really Sometimes uh, when you're in that state of mind or have um, don't have a, a, a great um, upbringing or point of reference to what a better life looks like, the options can be right in front of you, but you don't recognize them the same way somebody else would that's had a healthy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, and, so, and I don't know if it's just me had been, you know, naive and learning these mm-hmm. lessons, but it's like each time, it, like I had something good with wrestling and I lost it, mm-hmm. you know, and I had something good working at this custom car shop. It was like right up my alley like yeah you know making custom lowriders and things like that and it was like I lost that too right you know and the people that were involved it the people that you know the people that I looked once again I had I had um someone I looked up to mm-hmm. that I basically um you know yeah you and you were st- all the while you're still carrying this, this debt yeah. Yeah. That yeah. you have to eventually. Yeah. I, re- I remember, uh, you know, my, my parents, my parents coming together for, you know, a graduation present. If I could have a graduation present, I actually, um, you know, I unknowingly, they had like put aside something from, I, I don't know whether it was like, whether child support or some sort of yeah. back pay or something they had put together. I, I think maybe my, my mom had gotten it from, uh, maybe an accident that she had had, but they gave me this, you know, this was to like buy my first car. And I actually, um, you know, I actually had to pay off the drug dealers for that. Right. Like I had to utilize that. So, you know, once again, um, you know, it's just, uh, no options. Like, you know, I remember sitting back at like 18, 19 years old going like, why is this happening to me? Like what, like I what, can't like, seem to get my, my yeah, footing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I've, I've seen my little brother do it too. And it's just, like, you're stuck in that mindset where you're like, you see, you see no more opportunities. It's just, you know, what the, when's the shoe going to fall in this situation? Or when's the next thing going to happen? And like, why can't I get ahead? Why can't I just have something good happen? Why can't I just get an opportunity or someone give me a hand up? Yeah. And like what I didn't see was my mindset was broken then too, yeah. because I didn't know it. I did have these men giving me a hand up and I crapped on it, you know, and I did see them try to help me out. And I disrespected their loyalty, you know, Mm -hmm. and I I did things that I didn't, I didn't foresee the consequence of how it would impact the situation. Yeah. Right. I couldn't, no one had given me that thought through process of like seeing it or going, oh no, this could be bad. Like, you know, I'm, I'm fearless in all that I do, you know, so, and I'm always extreme about it. Yeah. And I also think, um, you know, when it's, when you've had that much go on that many incidents happen you can you tend to get to the point where it's almost like why even bother trying because i'm i never can't you know nothing ever goes right anyways yeah so i think that's where a lot of like that fearlessness and that living on living on the um edge you know maybe maybe comes in because it's like why even bother you know yeah um when right a couple of days a day or two after you turned 18 you were um arrested with possession and intent to distribute and put in jail prison yeah jail coco county yeah um where you were kind of forced to join a gang and you described yourself as looking like uh travis barker at 103 pounds (laughs) 
And um, it's funny because the way you describe being in jail, um, and you were there for how long? A uh, couple months. Couple months. Um, almost like you, <laughs> you learned how to be a better criminal, right? Because yeah. you um, came out knowing how to do things that you didn't know going in. And um, yeah, so tell us about that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so yeah, you know, you get into, you know, it's, 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 a, it's the exact same thing that I do today, but in, it was in a negative way, you know, back then, right? So like I get around people that are, you know, um, doing the things that I want to do and, and uh, making the choices that I want to make and having the things that I want to have and like being with those entrepreneurs that are our different levels and yeah. and uh, different trainers and, and different stuff like that. Right. Well, I mean, I was in I was in jail uh, with people that were. Um, you know, career criminals, you know, they yeah. were career criminals. And so what do you learn about career cr criminals? You know, like you learn other tactics of being a career criminal, you yeah. know, you learn how to make custom keys to break into Hondas and Acuras Gosh. or how to cut keys or, you know, um, just, it was just, you know, how to make, how to make a, you know, jailhouse like moonshine, how to make Pruno. Um, it, it just, you know, it was, uh, it was just that life, man. And it, it was like, uh, you, for, for you, prison, the way you described prison earlier to me, it didn't seem as if it almost seemed like you came out of it being uh, going like, oh, I feel like, like that was a, like almost like a good experience. Like it felt to you like you came out more empowered. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like, uh, you know, I, I had, I had came out, uh, with the knowledge of, okay, now I've seen what that was like. That wasn't, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, and I also, you know, I met a, a bunch of individuals, like I met a bunch of connections in there. Right. So like, here I am like in this business and I just met more businessmen in that business. <laughs> and so, you know, um, yeah, yeah. It, and you described yourself as the magician because you always knew how to sort of like take a situation and to use it to your advantage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I walked out of there and I was, uh, I was good with, you know, most of the big wigs that were in there. Um, you know, I, I didn't understand it at the time, um, you know, because I went in there with the, the knowledge of like, it was going to be, it was going to be crazy. It was going to be, um, yeah, we were going to, we were going to have to earn our, our way in there. Yeah. Which is, and, uh, yeah. you know, it was to a certain point, but I think once you understand the, the nature of, of what's happening inside there, like you kind of, you, you kind of get with it. And so, yeah, well, after you, um, get out, I have a note here, but I don't think I elaborated on my note. Um, you met the safety manager somewhere who was part of a cartel and you started is that you were either using oxy and cocaine or you were dealing it yeah yeah i mean it it just it starts it starts getting bad so from 18 to 21 i don't i don't really remember much of life right, right? um from 18 to 21 there was you know a couple of different jobs and a couple of different things that i was doing um and yeah, I had actually met, you know, um, the connect from the construction company that I was working for back then. Oh, that's right. The construction company. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, it just started spiraling out of control. Um, the, the risks were getting bigger, the, you know, the, the pressure was getting bigger. Um, and you know, there was just a carelessness, like, like I had, I, at, at that point, like I had pretty much lost any, uh, goodness that I had felt 
you know, before, like yeah. there was no thoughts of, you know, what my grandparents had taught me. There was really nothing left. Like I was pretty empty inside. I was pretty empty. I was pretty broken. Um, well, it's and, almost like you were growing more and more defeated because things just kept, you're getting kicked while you're down. You get up and down again. Up. Yeah. I mean, you weren't realizing that you're kind of doing it to yourself. It took a long time and it, you know, to have that, to have the awareness of that. Um, especially when you don't come into the world, given those tools, but your, I know that your stepmom, Native American Indian stepmom, she contacted you as your dad, your, not your stepdad, your, your dad, yeah. um, was going to be getting out of prison. The one who went in for, um, DUIs and assault and, and things like that. He was getting out, getting out of prison and she asked you to come up to, um, to see him. And so you steal a car and you go to Humboldt to live with them for a while and you got to, um, hang out with them and that went well for a while, but then you kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I, I, I do these, uh, you know, I do these things where, you know, I do this, you know, wanting to just leave the, the, the people, places and things. Right. Yeah. And it'll be different over here. Yeah. You know, um, and it, 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 it would be different for a little while and then I would find myself, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it was good. I learned a lot of things. I got to fish with the Indians on the Klamath, um, you know, fish for salmon and, and learn some peaceful things. And that's when I really had my first, um, my first taste of, taste of nature. Mm. Um, it was really just living in the woods on the ocean, on the coast. And, um, you know, it was truly beautiful, but it, you know, all good things come to an end and it got, it got rough again. You know, it got rough rough and crazy. Um, you know, I remember us, you know, sitting on the beach, um, you know, drinking, um, doing whatever. Now we were, you know, shooting SKSs into the ocean, you know, I mean, it mm -hmm. was, it was pretty scary. Went to go live with someone up more towards the Oregon coast. And it was, um, like there was some bad stuff going on. Like I, I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta get out. I gotta get out of here. So I kind of, I kind of roamed and jumped around to some different spots, you know, Pulled into Tahoe for a little bit, stayed yeah. in Tahoe. You said uh, your dad went back to prison. Yep. Yeah. He, he came out, he's, he's been in and out. So, you know, here's this, you know, dynamic, like in and out my whole life, mm -hmm. you know, um, or communicating through, you know, paid phone calls or letters or through his family members. So yeah, he's back now. Um, <clears throat> you know, so he's, uh, you know, he's back to doing the same thing, you know, he's yeah. back in there, same Quentin. You end up going to Tahoe, you I, met guitar, guitar yeah. tech doing yeah. morphine, fentanyl patches and, and opium. Yep. 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 So, uh, you know, met, met, met what I, what I thought was a pretty famous person. I don't know. We partied hard. Um, you know, fast forward through that. Like I, I remember just being, um, just like I had to leave. Like yeah, this I, was somebody that was in a famous band. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if yeah. should say who it is. I'm not sure. Yeah. But. Yeah. Famous so, band. yeah. So it was, uh, it was cool, you know, and then it wasn't. And yeah. then it was like, uh, you know, it was, it was confusing because it's like in my heart, I'd felt like, man, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, man, I don't even want to be doing this, but what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't have any understanding of anything else. Like now I've, I've made my way through this lifestyle of people and, um, you know, what we do and like, it's all wrapped around drugs and alcohol. It's all wrapped around, um, getting in trouble, getting and, in trouble yeah. and people that are doing shady things. And it's like, I just, I, I didn't have any other avenue. I'm like, who's going to mess with a kid that has that going on? Plus, where am I going to meet someone good? 
yeah. in that lifestyle, right? And you actually had this awareness and like you remember thinking those thoughts like, I don't necessarily want to be living this life, but what options do I have? Was it kind yeah. of like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Because I don't think everybody when they're wrapped up in those cycles have those thoughts until later, until like they're out of it. No. And then looking back, they go, you know, what was I thinking kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't have a huge, I didn't have a huge relationship with God. I, I had, I had some, you know, some knowledge of it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been baptized and some different things and mm-hmm. gone through some different churches and whatnot. So like I had the idea of it, yeah. but I remember when things would get rough, like I would definitely, you know, pray like, you know, please like, you know, that, that saved me prayer. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I look back at it now and it's like, it, it's, it's a real trip. So, so, f- you know, fast forward a little bit more, you know, we, we just keep hitting these big situations where I'm moving and, you know, trying to make something work in another place. And it just, it falls, it falls to crap again. Yeah. Cause you, well, after that, you end up moving back with your grandparents to Rio Vista and you do get clean for a little bit. Um, and this was when you were 20 or 21 around there, right? Yeah. So you're with them for a little bit before you um, go on to get your your own apartment. Yeah. Um, but then um, the wheels kind of fell off a bit. And then you mm-hmm. went to the grocery store and stole some liquor and ended up getting your first DUI right after turning 21. Yeah. Um, and then had to go spend another 30 days in jail. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had thought, you know, if I'd stayed away from, uh, you know, if I could just stay away from the hard stuff, the stuff that was crazy, you know, if I could just, you know, smoke pot and, and drink a little bit, like I'd be okay. Like I, I really thought it was just kind of like the crazy stuff that I was doing and the people that I was getting involved with. I have a question. Why steal the alcohol? Why not pay for it? Uh, we were underage. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. We were, you know, it, it was, um, no, I mean, I'm just saying like, I, I read that wrong. I thought you were okay. Got yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, it, you know, it was a, it, it was a, it was another thing. Like I was just about to turn 21, I know. you know, I was just about to turn 21, just like the, the 18 year old yeah. thing, you know, it was like, just now you're going to big boy jail. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't any, you know, it the, wasn't juvenile hall. You know? Right. And then, so after you get out of jail and then you're around that time, your stepdad and your mom are going through a divorce and yeah. Your stepdad is actually moves to Sacramento with your two brothers and they get a um, two bedroom, two bath apartment. And, but, um, and, and he, he encourages you to come out there as well. Um, Because you were losing your apartment, you had lost your job, you had no options, you couldn't bear to face your grandparents again. Um, knowing everything that you had just gone through again. And so you move out to Sacramento and you're living in the tough shed, uh, at your stepdad's apartment and yeah. why did he have you living in the tough shed? Yeah. Yeah. So this is where, this is where life starts to take off. This is where, um, this is where God comes in. Right? Yeah. Things start turning around a bit. Yeah. Things start, things start changing in life. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've hit rock bottom again, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm losing this apartment. I got to figure out what I'm doing, where I'm going. Um, you know, my employer is not satisfied with me. I'm, I'm in trouble now. Can't, mm-hmm. can't drive company vehicles. Uh, you know, I can't, I'm not an asset to the company because now I, I can't, I can't be, you know, can't be driving company vehicles and such. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty much done. So I've burnt, uh, you know, I've burnt my last bridge here. 
um, my stepdad had told me, you know, you can come out to Sacramento. Like there's some, some AA meetings. And I was like, I've, I've, I've known of AA meetings. I remember being them as a kid yeah. when they were going to them, right. but I've never, I never really knew, understood like the power of them or what was going on. So, um, I was driving from Rio Vista to Sacramento every night to go and be a part of the meetings that were out there because there was only one in Rio Vista and it was like on a Wednesday and there was like three people in there. You know what I mean? Like that's a bar, it's a bar town, you know? So there's not, it's not a whole bunch of people, you know, um, there might be today, but there wasn't, you know, it was in the, the bottom, you know, basement of a church in the middle of town, bar town. Um, you know, full of farmers and hunters and fishermen. And so, but did you end up, you actually ended up moving to, obviously you're here now. Here now I did. Yeah. Like I knew, I knew that if I was going to do this and if I was going to change my life, like I needed to be out in this area, yeah. you know, and I started meeting some people in the rooms and the program. And I started, you know, I started, they started seeing things in me that I didn't see anymore. And I started mm-hmm. hearing them repeat things that I've heard in the past, you know, from people that I actually cared. And I started to feel that love and that, um, you know, that respect again. And I started yeah. to feel um, like there was some, some uh, quality men and women that I could, you know, look up to or lean on or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just, just listen to their direction, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I moved out to Sacramento in 2006, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I didn't have no place to go. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't have anywhere to live. I was in my car, and uh, I remember my stepdad telling me, "Well, you know, you can stay with us, but uh, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't sleep on the couch. You know, you can't sleep on the couch, and and your brothers are here, and uh, yeah, it's just going to be weird for them if you're sleeping in the living room, and." Uh, <laughs> I said, well, wow. well, okay. And, uh, he goes, but there's this tough shed in the back. And I mean, it was, it was a built tough shed. It had, it had carpet and it had, you know, sheetrock in it, but yeah, it was literally just a, a shed, just, just a shed. Yeah. And so I, I lived in a tough shed while I, while I got sober, I got sober in a tough shed. Yeah. And then uh, you actually said you went on to, um, go into a clean and sober living house for men. I did. Yeah. I was bit. cutting meat at Safeway. Mm-hmm. I was uh, training to be a butcher in Safeway. Um, and, uh, I got connected with a couple of gentlemen that were running clean and sober living houses and they, um, you know, they had knew they knew the, the DUI case that I had and, and what was going to transpire. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, so they, they had experience in it and I was tripping. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, they were taking my license away. There's all sorts of ramifications for this. Right. And this is 2006 DUIs are starting to become serious. Yeah. So, uh, they go, you should, you know, you should check into my clean and sober house. Like you should really do it. Like, um, you should do that. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, hold on. You know, like I know I'm living like in a tough shed. Right. But like, you want me to be in a house full, full of dudes. men. Yeah. Full <laughs> of men, like a room full of three or two dudes. Like you want me to pay for it. You know, you want to, you want to give me a curfew. Uh, we had to do chores over here. Like mm-hmm. it didn't really sound appealing. Right. And but, you're like, what, 21? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, do you see what I got yeah, going on? Yeah. <laughs> you see what I got going on in the tough shed. Right. <laughs> like, like I thought, I, I thought, how could this, like, how yeah. could this even be real? You know what? That, that clean and sober living home was probably the best thing that I have ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, my life dramatically changed when I accepted where I was at and I should probably listen to somebody that had a better idea 
of what my decisions should be in life. Yeah. And like my life took off, you know, so from all this chaos and everything happening, like I started to create a life around people that were sober and living quality lives and being functional members of society and honorable men in society. And when I went to that court date, um, he was right. They had, they had dropped everything and the DA, you know, they dropped, they dropped the, you know, the, the costs, the needing for jail time, like anything past that. Like they said, time served, you know, that's it. You know, don't, don't let me see you in here. I was going to meetings. I checked into, like, I did this all on my own accord. I had letters and the DA goes, you can't do that. And she goes, I'm the judge. I can do whatever I want. And wow. I learned at that moment, like if you, if you clean up mm-hmm. the mistakes that you made, if you take action, it, you know, the ramifications might not be so bad. Right? Yeah. Because I think actions speak louder than words, right? So Absolutely. you had shown a pattern of actually trying to make better decisions and yeah. she, you know, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. again, I feel like God intervened, sent you a judge that day. That's going to recognize this and give you credit for it. Yeah. yeah. So you had a, again, another chance to yeah. turn your life around and you took advantage of it. You ended up working in electrical at that point and then at a at maintenance at a property management, mm-hmm. um, firm. Um, and, but then you kind of get into, well, hold on. I'm trying to figure out where to go here next. Um, you move in with the girl that at the apartments where you were working, who you were with for a couple of years. Yeah. Your mom moves to Sacramento and she was not sober. Um, about two years in uh, your relationship with the girl, um, you find out she's cheating on you and you guys split up. You start working in, in the nightclub scene and your mom starts to try to kind of lean on you a bit. Yeah. And um, she does wind up getting sober, right? Yeah, yeah. For- so, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm building this life, you know, this sober life, this new life. Um, you know, I've actually got, you know, things happening. I'm working for a property management company. I'm also building outdoor barbecues across the street at this warehouse where, you know, um, you know, this girl's father had started. So I'm, I'm welding barbecues and fabricating at night and then working during the day. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm building this life. My mom's, my mom's, you know, moved to Sacramento now. Her, she's brought her addiction with her. I'm watching her slowly kill herself and I had to. Does she move to Sacramento because of her breakup? Yes. Okay. Well, she moves to Sacramento to be closer to my brothers, right? And so okay. my brothers are going back from my stepdad to my mom's. And so, you know, okay. for her to be up here. So, you know, here they are. And I'm watching my mom just destroy herself. My stepdad's sober, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know they've created so much damage between each other. So they're they're on separate spectrums. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I I got to the point where I had worked on, you know, I had worked on myself to the point where I now had some integrity. I now had some honor and some respect. I now you know, was a functioning member of society and I was, I was doing what I had to do and I was, my life was getting good. And I started learning some healthy boundaries, right. And some things. And so like, I knew that, um, like I didn't want something to ruin my life again. I really didn't. And so like I learned what to do by asking others and, you know, learning how to, you know, go to codependency anonymous to try to, how's the best way I could serve and help my mom. 
right? It's kind of like she's fighting her addiction. You're faced with the test. And, and you're like, I'm not going to fail this lesson. I'm yeah. going to do this the right way. Yeah. And you made good choices. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I wanted to learn that. And, yeah. and it looked like, you know, just, just being, you know, hey, I'm not going to watch you destroy your life. And I'm here. I yeah. love you. I'm here to help you um, when you're ready. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, she went on for a little bit longer. And then um, she did reach out. She did reach out. And, um, she said, I'm done. I'm done, James. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, okay, mom. All right. Well, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come meet you. Right. And I came with my fiance at the time. Uh, both oh, of this us is before you guys. Split. Yeah. Both of us sober. I came and I met her and I gave her, I gave her my phone and I said, okay, here's, here's three women from the program that you're going to call and you're going to ask them for help. You're going to ask them for help. You're going to say it on the phone that I don't, I don't want to do this anymore and I need some help. Mm-hmm. And that was a part of, you know, being this, like I had to walk her through this so she could, it, yeah. it was the hardest thing. It was so hard. Yeah. And I've got my fiance like behind me, like looking at me kind of sideways a little bit, but she understands um, that you have to want it. You have to want it or you're not going to get it. And I really needed my mom back. You know, I really needed her in my life. And so, um, man, so she did it mm-hmm. and she went and stayed with a woman. A woman came and picked her up and stayed on her couch. She got into a clean and sober living house. She lasted about a week and then she got popped out for um, her prescriptions or something, you know, some silly mix up. And so I come down there again and mm-hmm. she's like, um, they, you know, they kicked me out. What am I going to do? I said, here's, here's the phone again. You're going to call some women from the program. And because I didn't, stop that. I stayed out of God's way. Like mm-hmm. I let her have that sense of humility in it. She got to own that. She got to walk through that. And, uh, she ended up staying sober for two years, mm-hmm. the best two years of my life, you know, my best two years of my life at that point. Right. right. It was all so hard. Yeah. Uh, that fiance that I with, was with, uh, I ended up finding out that the job that she ended up taking at the gym, uh, she started sleeping with her boss. Mm. And, um, at the same time, um, you know, I had started another job, um, framing houses now, not just doing the barbecues, but I was framing houses and, um, you know, doing the property maintenance. And, uh, so like I had found this out and I just, I just picked up everything and I just left. I just left her with everything that was there. And I was like, I was hurt. I was destroyed. You know, um, I got to feel things for the first time, like for real. Um, and then, you know, moving, moving forward, um, you know, that I had to walk through it. I had to learn it. I had to work through it. Um, and that was really a test of your sobriety too. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everything in me, I, you know, I did not know how to interact with that moment yeah. whatsoever. And, um, you know, you, you, you learn, you, you just, you pivot, you yeah. keep moving forward. Um, I really, I really got, you know, locked into the nightlife and kind of DJing for a minute there. And you were able to stay sober through that. And I was able to stay sober, you know, shockingly. Right. Um, you know, I just, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to let alcohol and drugs defeat me. Like I was not, you know, and I had my mom sober. Right. And so like, I had someone there that was, you know, watching me and my mom was actually there. She was present. She was able to walk with me through that, um, that time, you know, losing yeah. this fiance. Right? right. And, um, so it's almost, wow. 
yeah, her support. Yeah. And so it was beautiful. It was yeah. beautiful for her to save me through that a little bit. You know, it's it, it just, it's God, it's God's, you know, worked it out the way that he worked it out. Now, um, I'd like to say that it was all rainbows and butterflies, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, it, it took a turn, you know, yeah. it took a turn. So she ends up, um, relapsing, I yep. guess. And then you had to give her an ultimatum. Yeah. Uh, she ended up, she ended up relapsing. And one of the things that you don't do after someone's gotten a taste of the program, you don't kick them when they're down. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I remember her calling me asking if she stopped by, I had a, I had a, you know, I had a girlfriend that was over there and I said, yeah, go ahead and stop by. I went down to the car and she was just, she reeked of alcohol. So she was hammered. She was hammered, drunk driving. And so I told the girl, I said, Hey, you got to go. And I, I grabbed, I picked my mom up from the, you know, out of the car and I carried up to my bed and I put her in bed and I tucked her away and I said, Hey, don't worry about it. You know, like this happens, mm-hmm. you know, this happens like, you know, someone had done it for me. Like mm-hmm. the, it's going to be okay. We'll figure it out in the morning. Just sleep. And, um, like I really didn't know what was transpiring, but she was hurt, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I thought she could bounce back into the rooms and, you know, there was love and support for her. Mm-hmm. She had a family. She had a, she had a home, home groups in, in there. She, you know, all of her friends were surrounded in there from Sacramento. She didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, Did you, but it, the ultimatum come after that? Um, no, no. I mean like the, the ultimatum was when she originally, you know, when she originally, uh, moved to Sacramento. That's when I gave her that ultimatum. That's an ultimatum. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, you know, what, what had transpired afterwards after this relapse, like no one, no one would have ever known, you so know, she, I had known that she was troubled and she was having a hard time dealing with stuff, Yeah. but I didn't know like how hard, you know, she didn't, she didn't really like let me open up to you. On yeah. That way. No, she didn't. So you were, um, you were getting to go to getting ready to go to work one night and she calls you. And this was the last conversation you had with your mom. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. This was, um, yeah. So, uh, this was the last conversation that I had, you know, she had called me, she had asked me where I was at. It's probably like nine, 10 o'clock at night. I'm getting ready to go do a DJ gig downtown Sacramento. And, uh, she's like, you know, what are you doing? I said, I'm downtown. She goes, Oh, you know, um, I said, you okay? You need anything? She says, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to, you know, pick up groceries. I'm going to pick up ice cream and take it to your brothers, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, okay. And I, something, something didn't sound right. Something didn't sound right. Uh, she wasn't like intoxicated, intoxicated, but something didn't sound right. I think it, she had, you know, she had probably maybe taken some pills or something, yeah. you know, something was going on. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, she, she, she said, I don't want to bother you. You know, I just want you to know that I love you. And, um, I, I never would have thought that like, I would be that last person to hear her say that, or, um, you know, she didn't call my brothers. She didn't, you know, I was the last person that she told that. And, um, I got a call at four o'clock in the morning, uh, from my stepdad saying that my mom was involved in a car accident, head on collision on Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was just in shock. Like, I I don't, I don't know how people deal with things, but I just kind of blacked out from all of it, you know, um, having to deal with that sober 
every raw emotion, every feeling, every thought, every wonder, every, you know, curiosity of like how, um, how life was going to be, who's going to be at my wedding. You know, what if I have kids? Like there's like a whole bunch of mind trip stuff, but I think at the moment, like for the, for the first like three, four days, I just mentally blank. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you're in shock. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, like you, and you got to understand the dynamic here, right? Like, uh, I'm a mama's boy. I love my mom, but my mom was crazy, you know, Mm. growing up. Um, the reason why I think we had skipped, the reason why I left that, that home was the the alcoholic behavior, right? When they, when they had started, um, when they had started drinking again, you know, my mom had, uh, you know, my mom had, had not only got back into her addiction, but she had started a pill addiction with, you know, some chronic neck and back pains and stuff that she had from the past. And so the blackouts and the, you know, the chaos of in there, like, let me, you know, like tell you that growing up in that house at, you know, 15, 16 was absolute chaos, you know, to where she's blacking out at night and then come and beating the crap out of me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, afterwards, not knowing it, like kicking doors through. Right. And, um, for you no know, reason and not even know, not even really know. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. Just just because I'm I'm like my father, you know, or you know, I'm doing I'm doing things that I'm that I should be doing. But she'd have no memory of it. No, she'd have no memory of it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's the addiction. That's the addiction. You know, like the if you would if you would meet my mom in the two years that she was sober, you would you would have a hard time seeing that different person because yeah. she was like loved loved people, loyal. She would give the clothes off your back. She would do anything for anybody, even if she didn't have anything. She would cook for you, take care of you. You were sick, she'd come to your house with soup, like. She she was just a, an incredible human being when she wasn't caught in her addiction. So that's why it's so interesting, you know, for th- those who are listening, if to think about this, like, you know, a lot of people don't understand the nature of an an, an addiction, and you have to think if if you have such a beautiful person who falls captive to an unhealthy, destructive lifestyle. What person in their right mind would prefer that lifestyle when they have the option to, to, to be the beautiful person they are? And that is the power of an addiction. You know, a lot of people don't understand it. Um, I think obviously we all make our choices. You know, we're all, you know, free will. We all have it, right? But the, um, the, the chokehold of addiction is real. It is real. And it's just, you know, uh, those of us who don't have, um, are not prone to it, will never quite understand it. But I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean, I know yeah. my fair share of, yeah. you know. So I just think it's it's eye-opening when you do describe your mom that way. Yeah. It's eye-opening. Yeah. And, uh, you know. These aren't bums off the street, all of them, you know. You know, yeah, no. So she, you know, she, uh, you know, she she did it in. And so she was, uh, you know, I had to plan the ceremony. So I got two younger brothers now, you know, yeah. they're going through this. They're young too. And how old were you at this point when she passed? Uh, I was about 26 ish, 20, okay. 27. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so, you know, there, there it goes right there. Um, that was a big turning point. And so, you know, you just, you just do what you have to do. You just, move through it like a robot at that point. Like there was things that need to be done. And like, I did not have the luxury of falling apart. Right. I had those two little boys 
you know, my two little brothers that I had to hold it together, you know? And yeah. so, um, because I knew my stepdad wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, what, what were you, what were you going to teach them? You know? So I'm like, I'm looking at these boys and I go, you know, I've got to do it. I got to do it for them. Like, I don't have the luxury. Like my grandparents, mm-hmm. they just buried their daughter. You know, they're about to bury their daughter. You know, they got another one of their daughters as an addict, you know, an active addict. Like they got, they had three daughters and two of them are just like, you know, one's dead now, one's on the way out. So it's like, here they are, yeah. you know. Um, well, it's funny because we were talking about your grandparents and you describe them as being such beautiful uh, people. And, um, you know, you were so closely bonded to them and they, it was a healthy home. And you were saying, you know, they're from Europe and um, they don't understand the nature of an addiction. No. And for them, like alcohol and drinking, like drink before the meal, drink during the meal, drink after the meal. It's like a cultural yeah. thing almost. And yeah. to describe, like I have a problem with alcohol, the yeah. way you describe their response it's like it it completely yeah, doesn't resonate yeah they didn't they didn't know so you know here we are we're planning this um you know i moved through it i'm living this you know nightlife um i end up you know i end up uh i end up getting a woman pregnant mm-hmm. um it was like a one-night stand this is not a relationship it, it, it wasn't it wasn't really a one-night stand i just i it wasn't expected on my side but i yeah. think it was kind of premeditated on her side but it was the greatest blessing of my life of course you know however it however it was supposed to be it was supposed to be yeah so there's the birth of my daughter and then you know for the next couple of years it's just chaos and confusion again you're, um, but you guys don't end up staying together you're sort of raising her separately you take care of the baby during the day and you work at night yeah so during the day when you're taking care of the baby she can go to work yeah so the uh the the relationship at an an early stage was very um it was very volatile like so i you know i'd been sober for a while i had you know created some some coping skills and some different uh you know things attributes that i wanted to have in my life right and the last thing i was so scared when i found out my my daughter was going to be born i was like oh my gosh you know <sighs> she's gonna have to live a life like like i did you know I, I don't want anybody to do that but um you know there was you know i i, I don't i don't want to i don't want to yell mm-hmm. i don't want to argue i don't want to fight with women like there's a lot of different things for one i don't trust women at this point Mm -hmm. not like unknowingly like Mm -hmm. i don't trust women Mm -hmm. um one you know uh, what happened with that fiance and two you know the woman that i thought was going to be in my life forever my mom you know who's going to be by my side you know told me that she you know she loved me and then she took her own life you know it's like how does that affect you right yeah you know i won't i won't understand until later but um you know, there was a lot of, there was like chaos. There was chaos mm-hmm. again. Like this woman wanted to fight, be physical. I, I'm not, I'm not into it. I'm not into slamming doors. I'm not into cussing with a partner. I'm not into derogatory comments. That's really not, um, you know, I grew up in that. So yeah. it, it, it just kind of shorts me out. So and you I created a boundary and you're like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I created a boundary. And like that little girl, that little girl being born was not going to witness, mm-hmm. uh, that that type of interaction I, I wasn't going to have it i wasn't going to have it and i fought to keep that relationship um copacetic as much as possible i was working two jobs because i was so scared about her uh you know what her needs were like i wanted to make sure we had everything it was scary being a first time parent and um you know i just i i had to um i had to walk away from it and i had to tell her like i'm here to support you like i'm going to be here during the whole process you know um i'm going to be here every step of the way but like 
we don't do good together and yeah. I'm not going to allow uh, this little this little girl to be raised in slamming doors, you know, fights, verbal, like I, I can't do it. Which is smart because I think a lot of people will go, oh, we'll stay together for the kids. But I'm a firm believer that two healthy, happy homes are better than one unhealthy, unhappy home. Yeah. It's just, I don't know why so many people think that it's just better to keep it together for the kids if it's not going to be a healthy, happy home. I mean, it's just, you know, um, it happens so often. So that was amazing that you had the foresight and the awareness to make such a good choice for your daughter. Yeah. Um, and she's 11 now. And she's so, 11 now. She's, she's, she's brilliant. She's yeah. brilliant. She's a uh, head of her class, super smart. Um, you know, uh, very thoughtful, mm-hmm. very, um, very observant. Yeah. Um, just, just an incredible, incredible child. You know, she's got, she's got no disabilities. Yeah, uh, she got no disabilities. She's a uh, hyper achiever. Really, you know, she's ahead of all of her class and all of her things. Mm. Um, she's focusing on trying to learn chess. Like mm. she's, um, you know, into the digital world as far as like learning how to write code and some different things like that. Just, just incredible stuff. Like she's, she's thinking big picture stuff and. And, uh, you know, rightfully so, you know, like That's I, it's amazing. I've, uh, I've pushed her to do that, you know, and she's done a great job at it and, um, loving and kind making things for birthdays and holidays for everybody thinking about everybody. Yeah. Uh, just an amazing, you know, amazing you should, little human. You, know? you should be very proud of yourself. You know, you, you ended the cycle with, with her. Um, you are married now yep, today yep, to April. Yep. I'm married 10 years. Yeah. And, um, I know that, um, you know, a lot of folks, maybe when they see the picture, they're going to, um, notice your physique. What role does health and fitness play in your life now? And, yes. when, and when did that start? Oh yeah. I'm glad you asked. So, you know, when my daughter was born, I was, uh, you know, um, obviously I had sober, mm-hmm. um, uh, but, um, I had kind of like fallen off and on the wagon there. I've kind of danced in it a little bit and it got scary. And, um, I actually wrapped up another DUI, uh, through the, through the, you know, the switching of homes, right. Mm-hmm. Of me, like leaving the home, not being there. Uh, she realized that she could use, you know, little baby girl as like a yo-yo. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like my daughter's born, she's like one, uh, she realizes that I'm not moving back in. So now she's playing now she's playing, uh, she's playing nasty. Yeah. She's taking my kid away from me. Um, I'm trying to support her physically, financially, however I can be there. I'm trying to assert myself and now she's, now she's using it as leverage. Mm -hmm. And so that just tore my soul apart. Like I walked through my mom, you know, but having that little girl taken away from me was like heart wrenching. And so I had ended up like going out one night partying a little bit too hard. Um, I got rolled up on and I ended up getting my second DUI. Mm. And so after, after that, I had like, that was it. That was it. I'm done. Like I'm changing my life. I can't, I can't let a slip like this happen. Mm -hmm. I got that little girl and like, I have to be the best man that I can be. Um, I got out of the lifestyle of the DJing because that wasn't going to show a good, you know, lifestyle. Like I wanted her to see a good quality man. So I, I made some decisions like, what do I want that little girl to grow up and desire in her life? What type of man? And that's when it started for me. That's when I quit smoking cigarettes. I got, I got off the booze again. Um, I got rid of my house and I stayed on someone's couch. 
Um, I stayed on someone's couch for almost a year trying to get like my life and my mindset. And I, I dove into just deep, deep rooted mindset mm-hmm. of changing who I was and what I wanted in life and really, really writing down key things that I wanted mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And fitness was one of them. I wanted to make sure that I was healthy. I was strong. I was able to protect her. Mm-hmm. And so the smoking went away. Uh, the gym, the gym started, the fitness lifestyle started. Um, you know, I'd got rid of all of my old things, all of my old, uh, you know, my vehicles, everything. I'd let everything go so I could start fresh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, uh, that's, that was when, you know, about, about two years old is when I start launching into like real fitness mindset development, like Mm -hmm. outside of Alcoholics Anonymous, like I needed to elevate myself higher, um, you know, because like, I I just knew like I had to, I had to take, I had to take it to another level. Like I wasn't going to allow these things in life to knock me over anymore. I had to make myself stronger. Stronger. yeah. Yeah. Did fitness come pretty naturally to you? Yeah, I would say, you know, what I learned in wrestling, uh, you know, it, it has, you know, it was the, the catalyst to everything else in my life. Like I knew, I knew the struggle and like the intensity there. And so it was easy to have that regiment. It, I like, it actually, it actually sat well with me on being like, um, you know, meal times, uh, gym times, things like that. And so, um, it really propelled me like the rest of my life. So like, you know, so having a routine for you is really key. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Having a routine, having goals, ha- being specific with those goals, being um, very uh, time-based with those mm-hmm. goals. Um, and then also, you know, like really, uh, you know, I really watch what I digest in everything, whether it's books or uh, reading, uh, you know, watching or other people that I look up to. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very picky on what I want to um, interact with and, mm-hmm. and see because I know that it's going to play a part in me. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it is interesting from someone who spent so many years in such chaos yeah. To now knowing that you're thriving on routine yeah. and regimen. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it's it's so, I love a happy ending, obviously. And I know you're still writing your story. Um, yeah. And you have um, so much going on. What advice would you give someone in your, in shoes that are similar to yours, um, like where you were 10 to 15 years ago, when they just can't seem to find their way, their North Star, their, you know, what advice would you give them? What I was promised and what I wanted in life I, um, if I, if God would have given me what I was asking for when I was that younger self, I would have shot myself short. Like mm-hmm. I would have sold myself short and, um, you know, I live in an incredible life today. I own my own home. We have a thriving businesses. I'm a realtor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so many things have changed, you know, so many ups and downs have happened. And, um, the one thing that, um, I would say, today is, you know, find something greater than yourself, mm-hmm. right? Find something greater in yourself that you can depend on. Okay. And find, uh, find a passion, something, find something pa- that you're passionate about. Okay. And, um, something that is going to serve you mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. you know, something that is big, you know, giving back to the world in some, some way or giving back to humanity or mankind in some way, something that's big. And, um, and I would say get in a room and get around people that have what you want and that are doing 
what you should be doing mm-hmm. and have the relationships that you want to have and have the business models that you want to have and, and the lifestyle that you want to have. I would say get in proximity with yeah. those, those people, places and things. And, um, you know, like it, it, it truly is, uh, it truly is amazing if you can, um, if you can focus on what you want and what you desire and be, uh, constructive in a way of doing that building where you want to be like having that discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Having that discipline every day to know where you want to go and how you're going to get there by taking these steps every day. Um, I think is, is absolutely incredible. And anybody out there that's fighting addiction, like just know that, you know, there are people out there that do care, you know, and they are there to help you. And, um, and I, I do think, I mean, my, I grew up around AA. My dad's recovering um, my whole life. Um, and I do think AA is an amazing program. It's free. Um, and there's meetings, you know, all over the place. You just have to go online and look, see what's in your area. How do you, you still recommend AA? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it gave me, it gave me the fundamentals of God. Yeah. You know, it gave me the fundamental. It gave me the starting place. And what you create out of that is your own. But it mm-hmm. gave me the place to choose what I wanted, what path I wanted to go. Yeah. You know, it wasn't biased in any way. Right. Yeah. And so um, that was that was incredible. And, and, you know, what I had learned and what I had created with that um, perspective, it, it, it carried me through some of these bigger events that happened later on in life, you mm-hmm. know, um, like it's, it's great, you know, you know, getting through all this stuff and then life getting good and then life, you know, falling to pieces again, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that, that was almost harder than, than mostly everything else. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, your mm-hmm. life gets so good. It's so sweet. And then all of a sudden chaos again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would, I would totally recommend that. I would, I would, you know, I would recommend, um, reaching out to the people that truly care, you know, show them, show them that you do want to change. Like if I, if I would have stopped and I would have asked someone that, you know, one of those coaches or something like, Hey man, um, this guy's trying to, you know, he's trying to get me to do something like that. You know, like if I would have had that transparency with one of them, I could have saved myself a lot of, yeah you know, chaos, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it away because where I'm at today in life, like it's, it's, um, you know, it's made me who I am today. Like I get to reflect on all of those things and decisions and know where I came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. All of those experiences sort yeah. of contribute to who we end up becoming and hopefully it's a better person than who we are to start with. Um, I feel like there's still so much that I wish we could talk about. I know that there was a point in time when, you know, you got in a really bad accident and lost, lost a business. And I'm assuming you stayed sober through that. Although yeah, yeah. Um, that's how I started real estate. Yeah. yeah. Um, we didn't even yeah. cover that, but we are out of time. We're going to have to have you back Yeah. again. Um, maybe we'll have Marco on with us, but I do want to thank you for sharing your story with us today. And to our listeners, the next time you guys see a lean, buff, bald, tatted, and pierced up guy riding a motorcycle, remember, that could be James. So always be (laughs) careful not to judge a book by its cover because we never know what path they've traveled, what cards they've been dealt, and what obstacles they had to overcome along the way. Thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Yes. That's all for this episode of Humanity Unlocked. Do you have a personal story to share with us? We're all ears. Visit humanityunlockedpodcast.com and send us an inquiry. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please leave us a five-star review and hit subscribe to hear weekly episodes of our show.